0: Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about seeking shelter in places that are familiar and places that aren't. I'm Christine Porch.
1: And I'm Alan Combs.
0: Today's theme is the real blue apron.
1: Let's hunker down.
0: So we've spent the last couple of episodes talking about like what does shelter mean and and in all of these various sort of um, folks' lives. We we haven't really touched on this issue of place as much, right? And that that was part of why we did this was to reframe the idea that. A place shelter in place is limited somehow um, to the four the four walls of our house or the four walls of the room that we 're sheltering in that actually there 's losses that have happened with this pandemic that are a loss of other kinds of shelter like our churches and our restaurants and you know other places that had previously been places we gathered
1: right, and some of those places I think are the ones that are probably most at risk because they 're not. Off some, some places like say today, we're going to talk to Scott Switzer from blue apron restaurant in Salem, the real blue apron, the rip, re- the real blue apron, will the blue, real blue apron please stand up. Um, but in talking to that, right, that's a local small business and there's a certain vulnerability that not being attached to sort of a large conglomerate puts them in. And so, you know, these kinds of things, uh, can really contribute to some of the trends you see where, sort of critical notions of place are fading away where, where you right. go to certain neighborhoods and you, and it could be any neighborhood anywhere.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, that, yeah, that's exactly, that was, that was a, a huge discussion even with the folks that are, t- you know, talking regionally about placemaking and, you know, how do you basically create and carve uh, meaning and community right out of physical spaces.
1: And honestly, we, um, the, the interview with Scott that we have is, is so full that we really don't want to spend a ton of time introing about places though it's important to sort of set the stage to think about place and what that means to us and so that really is sort of the overall framework for the conversation with uh, Scott is to talk about um, this place and what it means to him but what it means to us as people who are patrons um, and but also what it means to to the people who work there in the community that it's a part of so we want to go ahead and start with that uh, interview with Scott we'll do that right after the break
0: siptequila.com is a curated collection of high-end tequilas that can be shipped directly to your door from crystal clear blanco tequilas to older tequilas aged for six years in red wine barrels siptequila.com has something for everyone novices and aficionados alike their white glove delivery service gives the bottles to you safely and securely with their very cute lids wherever you are in the united states when your bottle arrives follow along with their tasting notes and education for the full agave experience Shop, ship, and sip with siptequila.com. Mention that you heard this on our podcast with code SHELTER, S H E L T E R, and you'll get free shipping. Siptequila.com. Welcome back to Shelter in Place. We're here with Scott Switzer, who, along with his wife Ashley, is the owner of Blue Apron um, and Lapis Cafe, two different um, small businesses in Southwest Virginia. Um, Blue Apron is probably like one of my favorite places, but I do need, I feel like I need to say,
2: that you're our favorite.
0: Oh yeah. That too. But also, <laughs> I mean, I, I literally, I'm pretty sure I, the whole staff is part of their training is told this woman will come in and you need to say she's your favorite <laughs> no matter what. Um, what, it, really what I'm talking about is the blue apron meal delivery service. Like they weren't founded till two years after. That's right.
1: The, will the real blue apron please stand? Great, right.
0: Cause it was, maybe was- there's a two year gap there. I think there's some intellectual property that might've been, you might need to
2: pursue. That would be us. Yes, we did start the whole Blue Apron trend, I think. No, I don't know. Um, we did start in 2010. Um, speaking of intellectual property, I don't think I was smart enough to kind of pursue that. <laughs> I don't
0: know that you could have. At <laughs> At I'm saying point, that as a non-IP know. lawyer. So I'm pro- all of the intellectual <laughs> property lawyers out there are probably going, shut up, Christine. But, yeah, so I think that, you know, one of the things that you guys have been for us, meaning Joey and I, our family, is y'all are certainly one of the pillars of support that that we have, one of the pillars of that shelter that, that we experience within our friendships. Um, and certainly Blue Apron is one of my favorite places. It's where we do business. It's where we gather for, you know, celebrations. It's just a part of the staple of our life, right? It's part of the staple of our firm's life. Um so we have had a real intense connection I think to what's happening with the restaurant industry in part because of you guys because we're seeing what's happening behind the scenes. Right. So I'm looking forward to hearing everything you're going to tell us about all of that today.
2: And it and it's a a literal and figurative shelter that building, you know, given that we live upstairs and you know we we have we house our children there which are our employees. We don't have kids, but I mean it it's like that is the family within that those four walls. Um, the psychology of what we do as hospitality is built is baked into that place
0: right and shelter is really about where do you find food and sustenance right where do you find protection um, without dragging out that metaphor too far i think that that is what that place represents to me as much as so uh, i think everybody has a restaurant that's that for them right and and certainly that's that is our proximity to you guys sort of reinforce that but really you know everybody has something that they it has their version of the, um, what was that sitcom in the 80s? Cheers. Remember, Everybody Knows Your Name? Yes, Cheers. 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 Everybody knows my name. Everybody knows I'm the favorite.
2: It's true. So <laughs> They don't say
1: Norm, though.
0: They <laughs> <laughs> don't say Norm. Although, you know, if I go there enough, I'm probably going to end up looking like Norm.
1: Scott, uh, you talked a little bit about the fact, you said a little bit about where you're sheltering um, in terms of living above the restaurant. But tell us a little bit more about um, where you shelter and who you're sheltering with during this time. Well, uh, I'm sheltering with my wife Ashley and our dog Cookie. We have a little pug, she's seven, and she's a that's, handful. That's part of our part of our friendship is uh is that we have that we both have small uh, little black pugs. I yeah.
0: finally won Cookie's affection. That's impressive yeah, think...
1: she's very fickle. She,
2: she is hard to win over,
0: yeah. right?
1: Like she loves you on her terms. Yeah. Um
0: which is important to love people on your terms. <laughs> <laughs> I love lots of people on my terms. Right. But
1: even our, even our, I mean even when they she's, she's seen our dog whose name is Frank, the um She's not interested. Frank, Frank, Frank wants, and Frank's not really that interested either. they—they're yeah. they, not very much people. People. Well, but one
2: one, one small glimmer of hope in in the sheltering in place is that we think Cookie has a boyfriend. Oh wow! <gasps> there there are new neighbors that have a little dog. I Forgot his name. Super cute. Really nice. And Cookie was very interested. Have you asked him what his intentions are <laughs> with Cookie? It, it looked like his intentions were not to get mauled. Yeah. Oh at by her not, but she's not, not
1: butt sniffing or anything
2: there was you know, they didn't get to that point
1: so
0: in dog years, cookie's like what 49 so this is a late in life romance This <laughs> is very, very late in life yeah.
2: romance <laughs> she's like i gotta get it done if i'm gonna get it done she's
0: she's settled in her ways and so it might be a, a hard adjustment to yeah. have a spouse a dog spouse
2: <laughs> but but the cookie is an awesome uh part of the threesome to be sheltered in place with
0: blue apron is one of my favorite places maybe after my porch um certainly if i'm not at home or i'm not at work then i'm there A lot, (laughs) like we have a separate line item in our budget for Blue Apron.
2: Understandable.
0: Also, Blue Apron is the purveyor of all of my alcohol that is wine based, (laughs) that is from from and in return,
2: I personally love the porch. Yes, exactly. Cigars that are consumed on the porch.
0: Yes, exactly. So you know, it isn't just a place that we gather for celebrations. We it is a place I do business. It's a place that. Um, we feel a deep personal connection to what 's going on with covid nineteen and restaurants in part because of you guys because we watch the backside right of all of that with you all so um, tell me a little bit about how you 're experiencing this uh, this pandemic in light of your particular business um, i
2: mean it 's a challenge the i think the the nature of blue apron the way you 've described it is the way that it 's always been um, you know established to provide a a sit down dining experience and fine dining and, and fine dining yeah. uh, or, or casual associative, you know, you, you see people that, you know, um, that could be on the dinner level where it's a little, you know, a little more expensive and, or, or a little more casual. At and then lunch. there's
0: people like me that come in and bring the whole establishment down.
2: But, however, <laughs> but that, I mean, that's been the actual, um, uh, nucleus of why the place has been successful over the years is that we've allowed for that to happen. We wanted that to happen um it has happened you know and it's been a fairly obstacle-free ride and then this shows up you know there's lots of obstacles in restaurants that constantly have to be figured out but this one is one that you know is uncharted territory really
0: so it seems to me like not just from my knowledge of you guys but from just watching how people are reacting in different restaurants that we know or different ones that we're sort of seeing react Especially in light of the governor's um, recent order, it seems like the choice is shut down entirely, or shut down all in you know in public service or public service within the restaurant, and go to a delivery model or a pickup model. How yeah. have you guys managed that?
2: Well, that's the only choice we have. So managing that is try to roll out some sort of um, approach that's you know fits the same mold as the restaurant did before some sort of attractive kind of thing um it's a compromised environment for everyone as far as you know the consumer they're out of rhythm the purveyors they're out of rhythm the employees are out, out of rhythm I'm out of rhythm
0: because I don't have any blue apron right now
2: yeah i mean it's there's like that kind of level of funk going on um so to, to apply a kind of a regular business model approach to it feels odd because it's not it's not permanent it's not sustainable over a long period of time you know because most small businesses or any business of any sort requires a certain amount of revenue to be able to keep the doors open and work so you know at some point the fork becomes a little more acute do you close do you stay open and what are the sacrifices and conditions to figure out you know keeping staff
0: the hard decisions.
2: The hard decisions. I mean, those are really hard decisions.
0: We've talked a lot about the uncertainty of this, meaning, you know, at least for my business, you know, my law practice, part of the uncertainty is really not can I generate revenue to sustain employees for four months, right? It's really about how long is it going to last?
1: Mm-hmm. How
0: much is that on your mind as you're kind of walking through the, the, the decisions you have to make about adjusting and or staying open, not staying open?
2: A lot, but in a very odd way, because I, there is no concrete answer to that. So I can guess, and I can listen to what we're told to do, and how we're told to do it, and what you know, what are the restrictions, and when they might ease up. But I, I look at it a little differently from you. I mean, there's a there's a certain amount of distance you can go with the money you have, right? Uh, and, and I want to be able to continue to, uh, pay employees even at a reduced rate to, ju- mm-hmm. to just be there and operate. But it's very, very stressful for them too. Um, so it's not normal. It's not like, Oh, we this is fun. We're going to do to go.
1: Right. Yeah. We, well, yeah, what, what is your, so you offering a to go option is that, what does that look like?
2: we rolled out one menu, um, okay. which is, you know, just kind of our first go at it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, uh, you can order throughout the course of the day and you can pick up points during the day, Monday through Saturday. And it's rolled a little bit like a normal week was. It's a little less busy during the mm-hmm. beginning of the week, and you know the weekend has been was busier because the first one we did was last weekend. Okay,
1: so we'll see how that continues to perform. Yeah, I mean, I hope it will. I mean, my wife and I looked at the menu this morning, and uh, we were. The, the biggest problem we have is trying to figure out w- what not to get. Um. Well, uh, <laughs> that's always been one of our best problems. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's true. It's, I mean, we were, we were saying, like, we got to do this. I and, mean, this And is, my you know,
0: husband, Joey, is just pissed that he, there's no oysters, I don't think, on the menu right now. What I mean, is the
1: other thing Joey likes? It's the foie de gras. The foie de gras. <laughs> the foie gras, yeah.
0: The the two most, yeah. um, let's say, texture foods on the menu. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: And and we're, we're going to look at that too, to you know, because now that we're in this lane, it's like yeah. okay, we can't just like stay in neutral in this sure. lane. We actually have to say, all right, well, this is going to last at least another month. Do we need to be changing the menu more frequently? You know, spring is here, so our do our options need to be more spring because they're not necessarily fully spring. You know, that kind of mindset from a from a chef is enough in and of itself under normal conditions. Now it's like everything's got a crutch to it and it's it's complicated
0: has it been easier because you're a little smaller because you you guys you and Ashley have two businesses right both restaurants um, both small in seating not small necessarily in menu not small necessarily in what what you provide but small in seating and because of that does that make it easier for you to pivot um
2: I think it should Currently for us now, it's not necessarily that easily. And one of the things that has kind of compounded this situation, and other restaurants might be absorbing this also, maybe not, is that it's a normal time in the hiring cycle to have mm. some people you know, leave and need to be rehiring and training. And that's that's become difficult under these circumstances. Sure. So you either have brand new people that don't know anything about you that you're trying to force into... Hey, here's a, here's a new thing we're doing. It's it's that part's pretty stressful. So the smallness should be an advantage, um, and it has in the past. Right now, it's not. There's no real advantage to that.
1: Yeah, I wonder. Do you, Do you have any thoughts about like how how does this affect the hospitality industry in the future? So, like, give me give you an example, right? So, like for me as a pastor of a church, you know, people are watching a live stream of the church, and my. You know, which is awesome and it's cool that we're able to do that. But then there's a little fear in me that's like, what if everybody's like, Man, this is great not having to go anywhere. <laughs> I'm in my um, pajamas. Right, I'm in my pajamas and I don't have to do anything, I don't have to go anywhere. You know, what was it look like when we we're able to come back? When 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 people are able to go back out to restaurants and uh, and that kind of thing, um, do you think that this will have any long term effects on the life of that of the industry you're in? I do. You know, I think that, you know,
2: there's gonna be a certain Segment generationally of what happened, what is happening with mm. food service and restaurant, restaurateurs that just go away, just just phased out. I feel like kind of my approach is a little bit kind of there's part of me that's got a foot in that side of it because I have a kind of a traditional approach. Yeah. And it's it, my stubborn mind tells me that's never going to not work. Mm hmm. Um, you mean a
0: traditional po- approach to cooking? A traditional? What do you mean a traditional or restaurant management?
2: Oh, it, the small, all of it. Small business, like you know, uh, you know, we don't have like a board or partners or mm-hmm. people that we can say, "Hey." Well, we,
0: technically, you do. Her name's Ashley. Well, yeah, I have a partner,
2: but <laughs> and you know, cookie. cookie is a part of this. And
0: Cookie,
1: Cookie,
2: <laughs> Cookie runs the, CEO, the show. So uh, you know, it's it's not like I can say, "Hey, I, I, we need." Um, Twenty five thousand um, dollars, because we we definitely need online ordering and we definitely need these technological upgrades and, and and that's probably a point where we are to say we need to reevaluate all of that. Um, but Do the other that means
1: like when it's over, like maybe you'll have to keep offering some kind of to go pick up option. Like you think or
2: maybe I'm not gonna I'm not gonna point that direction because yeah. I'm gonna go back on right fundamentally what's always worked sure and see if that flames out and why would why would it flame out you know there's going to be behaviors that our constituent base has that get augmented here and and whether they want to go back to the old processes
1: of just going out to eat i don't know i have no idea i think at least initially there it would be a boom just for people who want to get out i don't know know. i'm going to basically
0: be beating down the damn doors again (laughs) um (laughs) we're in a rural, more rural part of the state, let's say than Richmond or Northern Virginia, you know, how has that affected sort of both your resources and what you're able to do in a short, on a short term basis to flip into a different model for commerce for, for your particular business, or what does it mean for you in terms of support and resources for the business itself? Does that make sense? Like how is all of this, aid filtering down to you in a rural part of the commonwealth right and how are you having to manage things a little differently than maybe a restaurant in richmond
2: uh i, I don't know if there's a uh, being in a rural setting and being a little bit separated from a you know a, a, a you know a densely populated area where trends tend to stick more quickly for the long term i don't uh, that might be a benefit that slows down like to to transition if there is one slows down a little bit in the immediacy everything's been pretty immediate like every mm-hmm. pretty much every type of business commerce situation is working in lockstep or moving in lockstep based on the conditions you know of this this virus that's you know kind of holding us hostage so you know is there even adaptability yet i don't know because i don't know if that's needed there's definitely survival triage let's do what we need to do. And I'm still in that zone. So I, t- I typically tend to think like stay in that zone until you're forced out of it.
0: One of the things I know because of my knowledge of you guys, and we chatted about discussing this before you came on, is that, that AA Alcoholics Anonymous has played a huge part in your life. How is that community adapting? Because one of our focuses in this particular podcast series is communities that are not necessarily getting that, that attention, right? And I think that that community is one of those. How are they adapting to that change when they're used to face-to-face meetings, right? They're not. Right. That's a large premise of of that model of yeah. substance abuse support.
2: And it, and it's a it's a community that's you know based on attraction and not promotion. So it's right. not like it's out there on billboards and things like that. There is an online presence. There there are online meetings. There are, you know, the. the the internal workings have moved quickly, like everyone else, to say we need to have people connect in a way that they can't connect anymore. Sure. You can't gather, you can't
1: do the, you know, kind of the groundwork. Yeah, at the because yeah, at the church that that's that's the only group that we're allowing to continue to meet in, in in our church building is a big just because we believe it's such a critical service. But they have been incredible in terms of their responsibility to to make it possible for that to happen and to be careful. So they, you know, they only allow 10 people to come to the meeting because that's the rule. And then they are meticulous about wiping down after themselves. I mean, they wipe down all the chairs, they wipe down the elevator in the church, but that we, that was a decision we made at the church was, listen, you know, this is a time where like people are, this is, people are at risk. And so we, you know, if there's a small thing we can do to let them continue meeting until they decide not to meet, that's, that's been our approach on it so far. Right. But, so it's just such a critical... We feel like it's such a critical service.
2: Yeah, and, and I, I appreciate that, and I think that, that it is. And, there, you know, the risk is kind of the same all the time for, you know, addicts and people that are suffering mm-hmm. like that. Does this exacerbate it? Sure. Yeah. Um, but I think there are adequate resources. Good.
0: This is in spite of the fact that our logo has a wine bottle turned up in someone's mouth and that one of our sponsors is a mail to tequila place but you know as Scott has told me many times it's it, you're an alcoholic or you're not an alcoholic you have a problem or you don't have a problem and only you can tell well right
2: yeah and i and i, I saw something that was posted the other day and it was it, it basically said you know i have a hard time backing the fact that you know a liquor store is a you know an essential business right. you know there's a lot of suffering people out there where this could be a slippery slope and I was kind of like I don't necessarily disagree but it sounds like the person posting that it has the problem with it yeah it it's not a problem, you know. Were, were you I, thinking I, I, about I run this? a restaurant that has tons of liquor bottles and wine
1: bottles and beer. Right. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen there, there's been several people. Um,
0: just like I don't cuss, I, just like I don't refrain from cussing with Alan, I don't refrain from drinking with Scott. Well, not right, with man. Scott, but in bef- with Scott's presence. Or in his presence. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I've seen several. Uh, you know, when I so I was on a, a call the other night with faith leaders across the state with the governor. And, the, and there was this sort of uh, there while they were doing the presentation, there was this chat running down the zoom and there were several religious leaders who just kept saying, "I don't understand why the a b c stores get to open but the but the religious you know communities are not meeting and i said that that doesn't make any sense like that those are two different things right like like whether or not they decide an a b c store is a central business is one thing, but we can't have more than ten people in one place like it's not it's not as if like if people were receiving it as if there was some sort of like Slight, it was yeah, some slight. slight against religious communities. Like, oh, they don't want churches to meet. No, we don't want churches to meet because it's full of vulnerable people, and the best way we can take care of them is for them to stay home. It doesn't have anything to do with whether the ABC store is more valuable in a in a larger philosophical framework. It's just a decision the state has made. It's not about religious communities, but that was like a refrain. I was like, this doesn't make any sense, right? It's a different, it's just a whole different animal. But, yeah, so I, I mean, I think, yeah, I don't know what maybe people are just looking for something to gripe about, but like does it really matter if they decide ABC store can stay open? You know, as long as it's less than 10 people, what, what is it? What does it ultimately matter? Except that, you know, if they as long as they're being responsible.
0: One of the things we've asked everybody is kind of, where are you finding shelter, right? Cause we're trying to dig deep into this concept of shelter and place and displacement at present, right? Everybody's feeling a little displaced from those things that they're, that they commonly would go to for comfort. Um, what are you, where are you finding shelter in all this?
2: I mean, it's a tough one because there's a, there there for me, there's been this, you know, process of, you know, I mean, for a lot of people, maybe think this way too, like of dominoes falling and then they stop and then they fall a little bit more. And that, for me, I've meld everything together, whether it's business, these financial decisions, what's going on with our personal well-being, you know, handling, you know, life situations with my wife and, and, and Cookie, of course. So I haven't found a great, place of solace in all of this to tell you the truth. And the reason why the one comfortably numb song was first was because I was talking with Samuel. You guys know Samuel. And we were talking about a work situation with employees. And uh this was like the first or second day we were open for to go. And uh so it's just me and him sitting in the dining room kind of like, you know, here's your nickel counselor for each other. I was numb based on your question, but I was like, I haven't gotten to a place where I'm comfortably numb yet.
0: Right, it's not the new normal yet.
2: Yeah, and then that would be a sad place to kind of get to. I love the song, (laughs) but it's, that is what I'm kind of shooting for. I'm getting close, but are more dominoes going to fall? You know, Mm -hmm. do things get, spiral out of control with, you know, death rates and the virus or local conditions or, you know, it's,
0: does something else happen just Does personally? something else right. happen
2: that just you know drives this thing home and and to one of your earlier points, you know the the fork in the road becomes do you open or do you close? you know small businesses and I think especially restaurants that want to do the right thing can only go go so far now some of the federal support that's coming out with you know the s b a back loans and you know what those terms are they they may be helpful to some i don't know in my particular situation what I'm going to do um you know one of the the reason that we have that question we've talked about that question is I have a viable way me personally to close our business and probably that would be maybe the best thing and that's really hard for me to digest Mm -hmm. because I don't want that to happen but there is some of me that
0: does yeah it's kind of a bummer to you that this is the 10-year anniversary year yeah right I mean like I mean, I remember us talking months ago about like the jubilee of that, right? Like the, oh, what are we going to do? Yeah. You know, and how will it involve you celebrating me as your favorite patron? Well,
2: that's easy. Just put you at table 18.
0: (laughs) I know. That's my my table. (laughs) I'll walk in there and I'll be like, why is somebody at my table? Going back to this concept of shelter, you know, we asked you to come up with a song for, you know, what we call the shelter and playlist, which I'm finding so much fun in all the puns that come out of that. What, besides Comfortably Numb, you had another song that you were thinking about. What was that? Uh,
2: no specifics. I'm not like a, I don't know a lot of songs. I know when I hear them. Yeah. I'm, I'm that type of music listener. But I I like to get out and drive. I like some solo time driving. There are lots of songs, Led Zeppelin songs. There's some, you know, sometimes on uh, satellite radio, there'll be like a real soulful blues song. It just makes me think a little bit while I can drive. So well, I like... let's
0: talk about that driving. So you're a Porsche guy, mm-hmm. much to Ashley's chagrin sometimes. Yes. <laughs> so are you finding any solace in that? Cause at least the car is uncontaminated.
2: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, not as much as I wish I could. You know, that's just kind of my, uh, you know, personal hobby. You know, it's one of those things that I don't have too many vices, but that's one of them. Um, But we've really just been really too busy to kind of even enjoy that. Now the days are nice and, you know, getting outside and getting a little free time would be good. Sometimes that's a solo time that allows me to, you know, get more messed up in my head. Well,
0: but let me ask you something because one of the other things that I know is super important to you is is the group that you work out with, which, of course, I think is just odd because I don't ever want to sweat on purpose. We've covered this a thousand times. I find exercise just hard to take um but how has that changed for you cuz you were used to daily working out with the dog squad and how that was you know on a daily basis you saw these guys
2: yeah so i mean the the gyms have had to close they are doing some online you know video training essentially in the morning so you could do it wherever you are and i i mean it's kind of like you know going to a meeting like i'd need to show up and be involved with the camaraderie and the kind of one-on-one thing. So that's, you know, from a hospitality point, I think that that's just how I'm wired, you know, from a friendship point, from a, you know, a, a community standpoint. So that's just kind show of... Show the F up. Yeah, show the F up. <laughs> that's just kind of gone by the wayside a little mm-hmm, bit. Yeah. But, you know, on the flip side of that, getting out and do, and running, you know, a couple miles here and there has been a huge stress reliever. So, and I just had to start doing that because it's just too much stress balled up of so just stuff that I have no you know i'm a typically a fixer i don't have for these kinds of things i don't have a lot of good answers that actually satisfy my mind's ability to say okay that's a that's an adequate choice you know so it's just like i'm making a bunch of inadequate choices it seems like, and that's not the case, but I mean I think a lot of people in their daily lives are kind of taxed with that. Stress and anxiety.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think from my perspective, it's like, I think, what is the worst case scenario and how do I prevent it? And then I can relax a little bit. And I, what I can't get my head around is what is the worst case scenario in this?
2: Yeah, because it keeps moving. Right. It ha- and it has. Maybe it's right. slowed down. So, you know, back to the point of shelter in place, it's it's kind of r- to roll with the whole system has been my technique. You know, you could say shelter in place is go somewhere and hide, stick your head in the, you know, And I don't have the ability to do that, and I don't want to to be –
1: I want to be available for those that need me. Scott, one thing we're also asking every guest we talk to is to highlight a nonprofit that is near and dear to their hearts. What's the nonprofit that you would highlight?
2: org is a nonprofit that we've supported a lot in the past.
0: Yeah. And that's a food shelter that uh, basically is suffering right now because of contributions and volunteers, I think, right?
1: Yeah, I'm sure on both ends. Yeah, so if you want to support Feeding Southwest Virginia, you can go to faswva.org. That is their website. They have a place at the top right-hand corner that says Donate Now if you want to support the work that they're doing. So we asked Scott what his Shelter and Playlist song for today is. Christine, um, given the theme of today's episode, what is your Shelter and Playlist song for today?
0: Crowded Table by the High Women. Love that song. Yeah, I'm going to put the lyrics on my wall when the living room gets repainted.
1: I, I, that would be excellent.
0: Because yep. I want a house with a crowded table and a place by the fire for everyone.
1: Right. And it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of an appropriate thing to think about right now, just in the sense that we're specific. <laughs> right now,
0: just by the way, my husband's laughing because he knows I don't really mean that. I don't mean everyone.
1: <laughs> yeah, not everyone. I was going to say, you're, and you're, I've seen your strength finder. You're not an includer. That's I'm not. not a thing includer that is that like my includers.
0: 33rd out of 34 um, qualities.
1: But, it, I mean, it is appropriate because we're specifically sort of prohibited from having crowded tables at this point, right? That's that, right. You know, so, and um, it also
0: is true that we the gathering place is always my house. Right. right? Yeah, for, that's true.
1: And so, yeah, I mean, since we're not really able to do that, it does generate a certain sense of longing for that opportunity to do that again. So, I, I mean, I, I like that for today.
0: What's yours? <laughs> I almost uh, forgot about you. So mine
1: is awesome. Uh, so... Here's where we do like a little, like, let's get to know Alan session. (laughs) And uh, one person that I'm a big fan of and that my children and I are big fans of is Weird Al. And my shelter and playlist song is Eat It by Weird Al. (laughs) It's a very popular song in my my household. And so uh, if we're talking...
0: Like eating your feelings, eat it? it. (laughs) uh, Yes. Also,
1: right. Yeah. So, yeah, because we have a huge... uh, it was sort of an accidental stockpile of Girl Scout cookies um, because at some point when we were selling the cookies, it became irresponsible to go door to door, right? Because then you're, you're part of the pandemic if you're trying to do that. So um, we have more Girl Scout cookies than we thought we would. And, and so, yes, yeah, so we are, we are definitely eating those and other things. So, yes. Yeah, so, but, but if I'm, if I'm doing an episode talking about food and eating, then eat it by Weird Al is my song.
0: That's awesome.
1: We hope you'll join us next time. Shelter in Place is an original podcast of Soul Group Media. It's produced by Joey Porch of Liquor Sickle Productions. The theme song was written and performed by Joey and Zella Porch. If you would like to find out more about the podcast and Soul Group Media, you can visit our website, soulgroupmedia.com. That's S-O-U-L-G-R-O-U-P-M-E-D-I-A.com, or find us on social media. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review. It helps others to find the podcast and hunker down with us.